Hello. How are you? Thank you for listening. This is my second take at this because the first one, no good. No good. I got mad. I got angry. Uh, I just, before what you're listening to right now, spent the last 10 minutes recording this, this intro for this podcast, and unfortunately, I got to talking about guns and Buffalo and uh, Texas and the school shooting, and uh, look, I was pissed. And although you have not heard it and, uh, and it will never see the light of day, I apologize for the last 10 minutes. I got angry. I feel like I got it out, and this is take two, and let's try again. I hope you're having a wonderful long weekend. Notice I don't say Happy Memorial Day. Not supposed to say that, but it is okay to wish people you know, a happy long weekend. Most people get three days off this weekend, and I hope you're having a wonderful long weekend. Hope you're spending time with family, maybe a little time to relax, all of that. Um, definitely still want to comment on the, uh, the shooting and everything. I'll tell you this. I was mad. I considered the day after the Texas shooting, I considered tweeting something along the lines of, that's it. You know, I've had enough. We need to take the guns. Then I thought of all of my friends, my very responsible gun owners who uh, don't deserve to have their guns taken away simply because of uh, this nut job or any of these recent nut jobs or any of the nut jobs, period. So then I thought, well, I thought, revise that a little bit. First of all, should you be saying nut job? Probably not. Be sensitive to the mental illness involved here. Be sensitive to the fact that uh, parents do need to step up and do a better job of recognizing when their child has entered a different realm of uh, mental illness. Something where if you know your child is capable of this, it needs to be on you to speak up or do something or get them help. Second of all, there probably is some gun reform that needs to happen. In the Texas situation... Didn't this kid go on his 18th birthday to buy or at least start the process of buying a semi-automatic gun? Do we, even my responsible gun owners, do we think it's a good idea for 18-year-olds to own semi-automatic machine guns? Do we think, honestly, and I'm, this is where I, ugh, I'm going to get in trouble here. I'm sorry, that, uh, again, trying to do this in a nice, respectful way because I am mad, but also uh, know many, many responsible gun owners. So let me just say, uh, do, does anybody need a semi-automatic machine gun really does anybody outside of the military does any civilian see i i can't come up with one reason why that's it think you should definitely be allowed to have your pistol uh defend your your home you defend your family it makes you feel safe and i think that's great um a hunting uh, rifle of course semi-automatic machine guns assault weapons no reason for it Again, outside of military. this Everything I say here is, of course, military, of course. Uh, just, uh, there, there's just, I can't find it, guys. I can't find the reason why. Can't find the reason why it's okay. Sorry. That's it. Feel bad. Oh, I do want to say this, too. Actually, I do want to say this, too. I would say to you... Uh, very much so pro-gun people. Uh, and I'm not just talking about the pro-pistol people. I'm talking because it, it seems like there's several different sort of layers of you guys. It seems like there's the uh, res very responsible gun owners who agree with me that semi-automatic machine guns probably aren't necessary. Then there's the next level up who uh, 
responsible gun owners who think semi-automatic machine guns ought to be legal and and you can own them. Uh, however, it's age restricted and probably much more. Um, uh, regulated, meaning if you uh, are going to own a semi-automatic machine gun, you should be getting regular visits from some sort of government agency checking up on you, interviewing you, seeing how you're storing them, etc., etc. There's that level of gun owner. And then there's the third level, which is just the absolute, hey, you know, this is my right, my right to bear arms. I should be able to own whatever I want. Um, no matter where you are, I think there is one thing you have got to do that I think many of you did wrong. Because I am not a gun guy, if you can't tell. Don't own one. Afraid of them. Very scared. But the day after a school shooting, no matter what you think you know, no matter what point you think you're able to make, no matter how strongly you believe in your right to own your gun, the day after a school shooting is exactly the right time to shut up. Shut up. I saw way too much social media with people defending gun rights the day after. It's not the right time. You might be right. Maybe you're right. Honestly, between the three levels, I, 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 the first level... The, hey, I should be able to own my pistol. I want my hunting rifle. Uh, semi-automatic machine guns have no place with civilians. That, that's, that's where I can, I can relate to that, okay? I'm okay with that. All of you, the, all three realms, y you shouldn't be on social media the next day fighting with people who want guns taken away. I'd say that's when you just need to take a few weeks off and make zero noise about your guns. It's just disrespectful. I'm angry. I'll be honest with you. I'm angry. I have a three-year-old. I think about it all the time. His innocence. He still has his innocence. That can only be preserved for so long. At this point, my three-year-old knows of zero evil in this world. The worst thing that happens to my son is that it's bedtime. That's the worst thing he knows ever, period, is that the fun is over, time to go to bed. That is what he knows to be the worst thing on earth right now. I understand that can only manage that for so long, and that's going to go away eventually. I know. But him living in a country where it is possible that uh, somebody enters his school with a semi-automatic machine gun and uh, creates a massacre and creates carnage is just not something I'm okay with. We need to figure this out. And I'm here to tell you right now, I'm not your guy. I'm not smart enough. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if there is an answer. People are always going to do illegal things. But we have to make it harder and harder and harder for them to do those illegal things. Oh, poor Patrick Bernunzio. I'm just thinking about, you know, right after we recorded this interview, I think it was the day after the Texas shooting, we recorded this interview, and I said to him, I said, Pat, I am so sorry but the beginning of this podcast is probably going to be somewhat political because of, uh, you know, the news. And, and, he, and he was fine. He's, you know, he was fine with it. But I, I feel bad because, like, this, everything I have just said in no way, shape, or form represents Leo's Bakery at all. I just, oh, I feel bad even doing this prior to, to <laughs> this interview. But let's 
change gears a little, ladies and gentlemen, in one of the most awkward, most jerky 180s ever, let us transition to this week's interview. My friend, wonderful business owner, wait to hear about this guy. How many bakeries has he started? Honestly, you can't count on one hand. The owner of Leo's Bakery, ladies and gentlemen, please enjoy Patrick Bernunzio. I've been, I've been, I don't get nervous much, but I have to tell you the truth. I got nervous because, because you're a big deal. Wow, Polly. Thank you. You are a big deal. This is like, I'm sitting in the palace of bakeries. I just, right before we did this interview, we had a meeting about another thing. I went to use the restroom in between before we started and I walked across the floor and I was just looking around and I was thinking like, wow, this joint is legit. Thanks, Paul. I appreciate that. Yeah. Do you walk through here? Do you walk walk through? Do you walk through here sometimes and look around and just go like, oh my God, look what we've done. Uh, Honest to God, I do. Believe it or not, I I, I do. I walk through and I look around and I shake my head and go, how did we get here? Because we started (laughs) off with three employees Uh and a tiny little building with no money. Uh Yeah. I don't know how we got here. I think, yeah. you know, help from up above or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, totally. For sure. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's uh, let's go back to the beginning because really you have built this today, what Leo's Bakery is today. We're in East Rochester. How many square foot building? This building is about 40,000 square feet now. Okay. It's been added on a few times. Right, right so we're in 40,000 square feet, commercial bakery, many, many employees, lots of uh, very fancy automated equipment and everything. But as you said, it started with three employees. I'm assuming everything was made by hand on day one, right? Every, well, in this building, in this board, Leo's, I, we had, I purchased it 25 years ago. So we had about 18 employees. Okay. But going back even further, my very first bakery had three employees. It was Bernunzio's Bakery. Yeah. And your name is Pat Bernunzio. Yes, it is. Which leads us to the question. I want to talk about your history, but also the history of Leo's. So let's go to real quick, before we get to you, let's talk about the history of Leo's itself. So if your name is Patrick Bernanzio and you own Leo's, who is Leo? Okay, so Leo is Leo Balta, mm-hmm. who originally had, he, he had two brothers. It was uh, the Balta, I guess two, the two brothers, or three brothers, owned Leo's Bakery. And apparently, just before my time, I never met any of them, but uh, two of them broke off didn't get along, so they opened up Balta Pie Company. Leo stayed in the original building, which I purchased on Atlantic Avenue, and 
change the name to Leo's Bakery or retain the name Leo's Bakery. And Isn't that's that a I thing, purchased. like going into business with family, right? Like three brothers yeah. and two of them. For well, some yeah, reason. I know my father had two uh, brother-in-laws in business and things Did it didn't go, go a similar way. It, you know, it went really good for a long time, but yeah. at one point it kind of fell off. Yeah. 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 Um, that's, that's a whole nother conversation we could certainly have, but business with family can be real tricky. You work with your wife, doesn't your wife, your wife is here, right? My wife is here. She's in the next office over right yeah, now so, doing the accounting. Actually. So how, how has it been? I mean, you know, cause I think, honestly, I think if I had to work with my wife, I think it would be a problem, but some husband and wife teams, they work together every day, all day. I don't, I, so I'm not going to, I'm going to, it's probably sometimes it is a problem and, <laughs> and we'll both joke about it. And, and she always jokes and says, well, you know, when you're married and you work together, it's like dog years uh, so we've been married 52 years <laughs> times seven because sometimes it is difficult yeah well i think the the good thing about having somebody that close to you around too is uh that that you have somebody who's willing to tell you when you're wrong absolutely and i honestly i call her my secret weapon uh-huh. because without her Oof, it yeah. wouldn't have been as easy, I guarantee you Well, because don't you think it can happen sometimes for leaders, business owners, any leader really in any position, the people under them just want to make them happy and can occasionally maybe agree to things when in their heads they're really thinking, I don't know if this is the best idea, but because you say it, they're going to go, yes, sir, yes, sir. <laughs> right. But she won't. <laughs> nope. <laughs> She'll say, nope. nope. <laughs> Definitely not. No. Um, okay, so Leo Balta starts Leo's Bakery with his brothers. Two of them split off. He right. keeps going. What happens next with Leo's Bakery after Leo runs it for a while? Okay, so Leo had it. I, I honestly don't know how many years, but uh, his son and daughter-in-law took it over. And they had it, again, I don't know how many years. But I know what I remember was they sold it to a guy named Bill who owned a uh, bagel shop and he brought his bagel shop into there and it was called Leo's Bakery and Bagel Oven and they had the, and he had it for about five years before I purchased it okay. and he was struggling you know quite a bit um, asked yeah. me why I wanted to buy this business because he never had a day off he never took a vacation he would sleep there several nights a week just to get the work done and he said I don't know why you want to buy it but if you want to buy it I'm glad to get out of it and yeah so like, took a what, shot. Then, then let's go into your history too and then we'll, let's we'll try and catch right up to that point where you buy Leo's bakery so you grew up the grandson of a baker there's a beautiful portrait here in your office of your grandfather and he was a baker right he was a baker so that was my mother's father who was mm-hmm. the baker not my father's and uh, he owned a bakery called Randisi Bakery on Sio Street in the city. And he lived right next door. And I'm, for him, I mean, bacon in the old days was way different than it is today. You go in at midnight, put the coal in the oven to get it hot so that when you know people wake up, there's hot oven and hot bread and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So he, then my father and my two uncles decided, let's expand the business. Let's move to an, a bigger building and uh, you know have quite a bit more business, wholesale business. So they did that, and uh, my grandfather wasn't thrilled. He he stayed in his own location for a while, but then he ended up coming over to the sons because they were doing so much better. But um, and he actually passed away at the bench, working, making bread. Really? Yeah. And I was only 11 years old, so like, are you really saying? Remember a lot of literally, literally passed away. Passed away. Bread. I think he had a heart attack at the bench. Oh, I know. I, I remember mean, my mom picking me up. I was at swim lessons. Yeah. She said, Grandpa died. And I'm like, whoa. I was, I was shocked. I mean, it's a hell of a story. Let me see your microphone real quick. I want to make sure it's... A, yeah, I just want to just... Okay, see that on button? Just make sure... Stay away from that on button. One time I had a whole interview. You were good. We're good. One time I had a whole interview that I never got to air because... Um, Didn't hear it? About three minutes into the interview, the person accidentally turned off their microphone. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I would hate to, I would not want to do it all. Well, yeah, I would be like, we, we would get done with an hour. I would call you about two hours from now, and I'd go, Pat, can I come back? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, that that is, first of all, that is sad, because we're talking about the passing of your grandfather. That being said, um, now, many, many years later, it's kind of a really interesting story. I don't want to say it's a cool story because it's about someone passing away, especially your family. But when you think about that, I mean, he was such a hardcore baker, he literally passed away at the bench. Yeah. It's a hell of a tagline. Yeah. yeah. It is. But you know, he taught us the work ethic. Well, he didn't teach me. I was, again, 11 years old, but he taught my father, my uncles, how how hard we work and how hard we're supposed to work to get to where you want to be. Not dead at the workbench, but just yeah. to get a good life. Right? What are what are your memories? You're 11, so you probably remember him a little, right? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. What do you remember about I, being I around grandpa? I remember he was a nice guy. He was very quiet. Mm. Um, I remember going to my grandma and grandpa's house, and he'd be sitting in the chair most of the time, probably because he had worked all day. He was tired. Night, <laughs> and he was tired. So, yeah. so I remember my grandpa being tired. That's mostly what I remember about <laughs> yeah. him, but a good guy for sure um so that's your your mom's dad so was your mother a baker then nope my mother was never a baker i mean at home for sure yeah was she a good baker at home uh you know i take that back she was a good cook at home she didn't bake we had a bakery Uh uh-huh well you had a bakery right right. she could bake if we wanted her do you to this day like do you bake at home at all no 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 (laughs) you know you know it happens on occasion but rare yeah yeah uh okay so you so there's this bakery and it's uh, when does it become you called it it it's bernanzio's right that was your bakery then yes so i actually uh, when my dad moved away from rancora bakery where he worked with Uh two uncles I ended up getting a job working for Top Supermarket. Okay. And um, I was there for about four years and kind of worked my way up from being a, a baker to being the bakery specialist in charge of the Rochester bakeries for Tops. Um, then one day I decided I want to open my own business, and I did, and called it Bernunzio's Bakery, and that was in the village of East Rochester. So we've kind of come full circle, even though I ended up having three locations of Bernunzio's Bakeries, one in East Rochester, one in Penfield, one in Webster. And then I got burned out, and I, I kind of left that and got to Leo's well, a few with more stuff in between. Well, yeah, let, we'll get to the stuff, but hold on a second. Can I, can I give a – I have a theory, okay. and tell me if I'm right or wrong here. I think that you had the talent of baking in you, obviously, because it's in your family, and you were taught, and you guys – your family owned a bakery. So, yeah, you, of course, sure. you had the talent. Then you go to Tops, where now you get to use real big equipment, and also probably they had systems in place that um, small businesses sometimes that's the hard part. Like I'm going through this with my own business, where you, you kind of when you're an entrepreneur, you're just kind of flying by the seat of your pants. You get a couple employees, you're still kind of flying by the seat of your pants. Yeah. But eventually, you get enough employees that you now you need some systems in place. There's got to be some procedures and systems and. Did you take the talent you had and the systems you learned and kind of combine them and then say, I can do Bernunzio's with this or not? Or am I way off base? You know, Bernunzio's was no systems, nothing. It was like See your pants. Yeah, see my pants, me running all three bakeries. I had no managers in any one one of them. I would just (laughs) run around from bakery to bakery and pretty much at a fairly young age, I got burned out and I said, you know what, I'm going to sell this. I'm done being in the bakery business. Yeah. That was uh, 1985. So 1985, you are how old? I'm going to date date. Okay, so you're 35 years old. You've been running three bakeries, and you are done. You quit. You are burned out. Done. Done. So what do you do next? Um, 
I go work for a company that sells businesses. They were the ones that sold Bernunzio's Bakery for me. So I said, they said, what are you going to do? I said, let me, let me uh, come work for you guys. Or they said, come work for me. We'll sell businesses. Okay. So I did. And I found out I was doing okay. I mean, I had sold a few and I had listed a few. And a couple of months in a row, I was like salesman of the month. But I looked at my, especially my wife would say, you haven't gotten any money though. But it's on commission. I go, yeah, but I got listings. But you don't get paid for listings. <laughs> so anyway, I was making very little money. But then, of course, a bakery came along for sale, and I bought it. Uh-huh. It was um, it was called Gail's Cookies, which I changed the name to Rochester Cookie, and I thought it would be fun. It was a little business, just two employees bake kind of. They were baking in their home, and I thought maybe my son, who was now 20 or 19, would be interested in um, joining, and maybe I could help him grow a business together. But that didn't happen. It kind of fizzled out, and I sold that within two or three years. Did you work in that business? Yes, I you physically did. Okay. did the work, made the cookies. My wife packaged them and helped me. She'd call the customers, "What do you need for tomorrow?" For tomorrow, and uh, and then you'd make the cookies, and deliver the cookies. You know, it was just yeah. Yeah, a lot of work. What What did you do? Uh, you said you sold Bernunzio's Bakery. So did Bernunzio's Bakery go on to to What did that go on to do after so you left? The person I sold it to pretty much ran it under pretty quickly. I is that, think is that tough year, to see when that happens? Yeah. Is that tough to see? Yes, it's what's not only is it tough to see, it's tough to not get paid because you're supposed to be getting paid over uh, a certain amount of years. And of course, I lost a bunch of money. Oh, life goes on, is, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So then, um, so after I sold the cookie company, I had a big change in my life. I had a midlife crisis and I decided to talk to my wife, and my daughter, let's move to Hawaii, be a change of pace. <laughs> this is the best twist ever. This is, this is crazy, but we did it. <laughs> And we opened a business there. We opened a bakery. It was called Bernunzio's Bakery. And we had it for about three years. And, you know, I guess it just turned out, this is halftime. I'm not going to live the rest of my life in Hawaii. Even though it was beautiful, I loved it. So we moved back to New York. And uh, then we bought Leo's. So, wait, there's so much to talk about here. Because I still want to go back to selling businesses, too. Because that's a whole other topic I'd like to talk to you about, about selling businesses. Yeah, it was fun. It seems like it could kind of be fun. It was. It It really was. I mean, you get to see all sorts of different kinds of businesses. Yeah. You get to, you know, help them kind of, because they're interested in selling, they don't know how to do it. And so, you know, it, it didn't take a lot of talent other than, you know, getting in and, because really we had a manager who would do all the listing and all the, the paperwork we were just like the face go out and well how how do you sell a business because it seems to me like if you go out there and advertise and you say i'm trying to sell my business that it could hurt you in negotiation because you've just advertised the fact that you want out right no you're right and you can't do that when you're trying to sell yeah. a business basically it has to be confidential if somebody wants right. to look at it you know you can advertise generically like a bakery for sale you don't say where it is whatever mm-hmm. you might say a thing or two so then if someone wants to physically look at it, you got to scrutinize, make sure this person's serious about it, and they have to sign a non-disclosure saying, I'm not going to share this with anyone. And um, and that generally worked out pretty good. So, so, I mean, I've been a part of two times where businesses have been sold. And in both cases, there was some luck involved because it was just kind of a word of mouth thing where it was like, hey, do you hear so-and-so's kind of looking to, uh, do you know anybody who might, you know, that kind of is how it came to be. Yeah. But there are... That bi- happens for sure. I of mean, course, probably yeah. probably almost works better than having a listing agent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you, but the business that you worked for was a type of place that a business owner could call and call you and say, listen, I don't know what 
what to do. I'm, I'm, I want out of my business. I'm ready to sell my business. But also, I understand it's not a good idea to put a for sale sign out front, right? Exactly. And then you kind of could take it from there. And yep. Did you ever have situations where just nobody was interested in buying that business? Uh, yes. I, I think sometimes the, the business broker, us, took a huge commission, quite honestly. And a lot of times you, we're selling a business that's maybe $100,000 or something like that. And, you know, 12000 goes to to us and, and mm-hmm. they're going to end up with like 88000 or whatever. And, it, and then a lot of it was small businesses and people didn't have the money. So the business owner, like myself, has to hold the paper. So, you're, you know, you might get a third down and then they hold the paper if the business goes under it's kind of right. like it's yeah. it's hard yeah it seems like it it seems like it could be for sure what are the things that a business should have ready to go when it's ready to sell obviously financials right right but beyond just financials what are some of those other things that you think are key factors for somebody trying to sell a business yeah it, depending on the business of course but you know you have to have a reputation i think you have to have profit that helps a lot if somebody's coming in and how, how hard or easy is it for me to take over this how much is the owner part of it like if the owner's let's say it's a, a guitar shop like my brother has um he's he's the face you know he sells yeah. a guitar shop and he goes with it well then what else is there you right know? so it depends on what the business is so i think something like what we have at leo's being that it's we have management in place I can spend some winters in Florida and it still runs when I'm not here. It's a little bit more desirable for someone to want to buy it just because it has full management. And uh, so that's what I would look for. So the other part of the story I wanted to get to was Hawaii for a second. You have a midlife crisis. You announced you're going to Hawaii. Hey, you said it's your wife. And you have kids, right? I have two children. How old were they then at that time? My son was 23 (laughs) and my daughter was 20, 19. (laughs) And they came with you? So my son was already in college. So uh-huh. he was gone off to college. He went to New Paltz. And my daughter was wavering. She was, first year she was going to Fisher. And, um, but she wanted to do this. She's like, Dad, I think we should, I think we should do it. And my wife was like, I don't know. But my daughter pushed and the, so we went there. I she could see a 20 year old girl yeah, saying, let's yeah, let's go on a three year vacation. <laughs> she didn't know how long it was going to be. But yeah, well, right. <laughs> right. But anyway, she went, um, she came there with us and she went to school there to MCC, Maui Community College, <laughs> which I thought was pretty interesting. That is that's pretty just interesting. what they called it. It's MCC. <laughs> that's oh, great. MCC, that's familiar. That's great. So that was fun. Yeah. Uh, but that anyway, is. she was there and you know for a young kid to be there is hard she was she kept going back and forth from home to from new york yeah hawaii and then ended up in colorado where she still is today 20 some years later when i was 16 years old i had the the um fortune to travel to italy for a full year i was an exchange student here yeah i was a a rotary exchange student it's the reason i'm in rotary to this day actually is because they gave me this amazing learning opportunity when i was so young wow that's awesome a year in italy right i love that so that was only one year you were in hawaii for three years the point that i'm about to make is it was amazing i wouldn't change it for anything but the idea of being a tourist wears off a little bit, uh, probably a month or two in, and it just becomes regular life now. It's no longer the the shininess of Italy. Like here was the thing that you know, I would tell my friends, I, AOL Instant Messenger at the time, or I would tell my parents. I lived in a town. Four, this is so embarrassing to admit, but I'm going to tell you the truth. I was four hours from the nearest McDonald's. Whoa. <laughs> and I would tell my friends on the phone that I missed McDonald's. And they would go, what are you what talking wrong? about? You're in Italy. And I'd be like, I know, but I miss McDonald's. That's funny, yeah. <laughs> like, 
I missed hey. Chinese food. I oh, missed. I was I, like, come on. Yeah, no, I went to Italy for two weeks, and there were people trying to eat at Hard Rock Cafe because they didn't want the Italian food. They're sick of the sauce. I'm like, really? It's two weeks. Right, right. right. But you know what? Though, but what I realized after uh, a while of being there was, uh, Italy has you know it's so romanticized. It is, but it but it's just people. Yeah. Living life, trying to get by, taking care of their families, doing what they can. Did you find the same thing in Hawaii where at first it's, oh my God, we're in Hawaii. But then after a little while, it's like, oh, it's just life. It's just. Yeah, to a point. Yes. Yeah. Sort of. I mean, it was def- definitely nice. I mean, going of to the course. beach every day. I remember being in the ocean on Christmas Day more than once. Of course. But you miss your family and stuff too. So yeah. Yeah. It, if everyone, if all my family was there, I'd, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Well, you're still a, a snowbird. It doesn't year-round heat kind of bother you i mean are you a year-round heat guy no i mean (laughs) i don't know i i like the heat better than the cold of course yes yes i'm a fall and spring guy myself yeah those are my favorite (laughs) i don't yeah i'm with you i I don't like real hot Yeah. yeah so you come back from hawaii though three years three years you're back we're back and and, um what happens next so i thought it would be good to start another bakery or buy a bakery and a friend of mine found leo's for me it wasn't listed so it was just like you said word of mouth someone mm-hmm. said i know someone who might want to sell and uh so i went to i actually looked at two businesses quality bakery which you might know it's gone at this point mm. but back in the day it was in kind of a rough area in the city and i said no i don't not, not my thing so i found leo's and uh like i told you before i talked to the owner he said yeah i'll sell it but it's, it's tough business and all that stuff and i ended up buying it and course moving it to east rochester eight years afterwards and really that's when our growth started when we got here uh, we we the numbers that we do here are just like we it, do that and in five minutes we do as much business as we did all day and yeah the other locations. oh yeah yeah well so this is if i'm counting correctly this is the fourth bakery now that you've either started or or purchased oh let me add them up Paul. yeah okay we got bernanzio's we got, we got bernanzio's, the cookie company three well three bernanzio's three bernanzio's okay three locations the cookie company for uh-huh. um Hawaii. Leo's, oh, Hawaii 5, Leo 6, then Elite Cookie Company, which uh, we purchased when we moved into this building. They were our neighbors on Atlantic Avenue, and people might remember that they were uh, they were a cool cookie company, and we didn't buy the building. We just decided, let's pick it up and move it to our new location, so that was, what, 6 or 7, I think. And then Watermark Foods, which isn't really a bakery, but it's also my company. It's in this building, and we're a food distributor, so that was eight, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've had eight. Businesses. So you've you've done this a lot. What is it about Leo's specifically that just clicked? Because this is clearly, well, you said you moved to East Rochester. Yeah. Well, I, I think probably quite honestly, I might have gotten smarter. When I was a kid, I was dumb. I mean, in school, I was uh, when I was a sophomore. The guidance counselor called my father into school and said, "You know what? I think your son should quit school and come work for you at the bakery." Oh my god! That was his guidance to oh me, for me. Yeah. So I mean, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but you know, you do something over and over and over again, and you, you learn after a while. So it took me a long time to figure it out. I listen to a lot of entrepreneur podcasts and like you know just speeches and stuff, and I don't think intelligence is one of the top traits of no. entrepreneurs. No, that's good. It's, it's you know what is resilience, honestly. Yeah. No, it's. A sort of a like a sort of a always like stay in the fight, always stay in the fight. Yeah, and and hard work. I mean, when I bought Leo's, I worked every single day, seven days a week for a year, without a day off, just to get things right because it was kind of like the guy I told you, the guy that owned it had had million problems because whatever because of the way he operated but um so i had to clean house i had to get new people people that were 
really wanted to be doing what they were doing, and and I worked hard. Well, so that. yeah, so walk me through those things that you do in that first year. Then, so so it's people, right? People. You didn't. You probably came with some people, and you're like, these aren't the right people. They aren't the right people. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the right. attitude and. Um, yep. I had to turn over everyone. I think, like I said, I think there was 18 or 19 employees and they're probably within the year, they were all gone. Wow. And we got people that really cared about what they were doing. I mean, if you don't, if you're just coming in to do a job and you don't care about it, and if I don't care about my employees, they're not going to care about their job either. So I, you know, you know, being personable and caring that here, here's what I need you to do. But if, if you do it right, I'll treat you good. You treat me good. And that's kind of the relationship we have here with, we have so many good employees at Leo's. What about managing a business, uh, the, the financial end of a business, I would think uh, at the stage you're at right now is completely different than it would have been in that first year. Oh, yeah. That first year, it's a real penny-pinching penny type of very strategic purchasing, I would think. I mean, yeah. what was your like early on stealth mode financial philosophy? Um, yeah, I don't know. Just do as much as I can myself so I don't have to pay too many people because I didn't have any money to do that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my wife stepped in. She was actually working in a nursery or a daycare helping out uh, with some students and stuff. And she ended up coming to work for me because I really needed help. So that helps a lot, too. I mean, now you got two people sharing some of the, the pay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I think that that's what we did. We just got, got rid of the bad help, got the good help, and... Um, Move forward. Worked hard. Worked many hours. What about uh, last money question? I swear, because then I want to talk about the actual product. But um, money stuff interests me too. What about just keeping an eye on margins? Uh, um, just this will you laugh? Yeah. Really? I still don't do that. Really? That no. I mean, not that much. I I have I do it from my gut. I know that's again kind of dumb, <laughs> but I'm like. Wait, what? Yeah. No, Are you telling me know, right now? I know, out- yes. I know you told me that you have a system and it tells you how much everything costs and how much you can charge for it. And you've not been doing it nearly as long as me. I don't have that. Yeah, but you're doing a lot better than I, I, I am. Don't, no, I don't know. Well, I've been doing it longer. How about that? Well, do you You'll do be you doing think better than me by the time you're here? Do you have so out there, right? You've got you've got a million items out there on your floor right now. It's and, and I mean it's normal that some are more profitable than others. Of course, that's normal. Yeah. But do you have? You're telling me there's stuff out there where you're not sure. Like I don't know if we're even making money on that. Like uh, <laughs> no way. I know we're always going to make money. But uh-huh. I don't know how much. Okay, I, I know right. that some things we're going to make. Like we sell the Italian bread and the French bread for a dollar. Yeah. Guess what? We don't make money on that. One. Yeah, but it's okay. Is it a break-even or a loss leader? Those I mean, ones. if you actually added dollar for dollar, and if you added the payroll in and stuff, it's a loss leader. And overhead. If you're yeah. just looking at the cost of goods, you know, flour, sugar, and the bag, and what have you, you, you make money that way. But then you yeah. got to say how long did it take, and the oven, and the you know the energy bills and all right. that. So you lost money on. It. Well, in these last two years, I mean, because honestly, I did. I bought your bread recently, um, and it, and I when I got to the cash register, I was almost surprised it was still a dollar because last couple of years has been crazy with price increases. Right, and I I've, I've debated: do I raise the price of the bread? I should raise the price of the bread, but you know, people love it, and you know what it makes me happier than you can imagine? I imagine. I'm out in the store. And people walk up and they touch the bread and it's warm. And a husband will show the way, honey, look, uh-huh. at this it's still warm yeah. and it's only a dollar. And you know what? I like that. Yes. And I don't care if I made money on it or not. I yeah. like seeing that happen. You're right. So it's just at, nice. And at, there's enough other things that we make money. I'm not saying we're giving a, giving of a place course. away. You know, we make money on stuff for sure, for sure. But it's a nice feeling. Too. And I can't imagine that many people walk in just buy like a loaf of bread. You know who used to do that? Just come in here and buy a bunch of bread and leave? You. Me. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. But we charge, you know we charge more after three. Right. That's right. <laughs> we have to make a 
for it somewhere. Remember I used to come in here and buy like 60 loaves every time I would do a festival on the weekend? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh my God. That's all right. Um, okay, so uh, back to, again, You let's go back to that first year. You take over Leo's. Now you have another debate, though, and this is, I, I'm so interested to hear the answer to this, and that is the actual recipes, the actual products, because you've got a head full of, of recipes, yeah. but the business is going to come with a, a handful of recipes. Great question, yeah. We, I changed a lot of them. Okay. I had to. I mean, because some of them were just, ours were better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not sure that the customers, I think they probably liked it better. We did have to change some recipes. I know that you're in the you're in the business of recipes and yeah. stuff. And, you know, we I did. I had to change. I've been public about it. There's some that are certainly the same as very, the, like the brownies that everybody falls in love with is same recipe for, uh-huh. from forever ago. But a few things we changed just because we felt like we liked ours better. Yeah. 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 And it was mine now. No, I've been public about it. Our, our recipe, our main formulas have changed very slightly, but they've tweaked here and there once or twice throughout uh-huh. the years. Yeah. And to tell you the truth, if it's, if it's pretty damn close, if it's 99% the same, in my world, not your world, but in my world, if it's 99% the same, yeah, nobody really my notices. My world's the same, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, and more recently, since, you know, hydrogenated shortening or partially hydrogenated shortening you can't use anymore, so we've actually gone to butter and stuff. So it costs nice. way more, but, whoa, it tastes way better. So to say the recipes have changed a little bit for the yeah. better, they, they have, because we're using better ingredients. and. Because we can't even use the, the other ingredient anyway. So yeah. Things have to change over the years yeah. with any business. So is there, just out of curiosity, is there anything out there right now that is an original Leo Balta recipe to your knowledge? The thing that's going to jump in my head, as I just said it, is the brownies that okay. we sell in the showcase. Um, I don't know. Yeah. What that, is that your... So, that's, so the brownies, that's Leo's, right? Mm-hmm. What is your... The thing out there on that entire floor, the one thing that you, Patrick Bernanzio, are most like, that's my jam. That's the one. That's the thing I've been making since I was a kid, and I'm great at. Wow. I, I guess pepperoni bread, maybe? Okay. Even though I inherited that when I bought the uh, the, the bakery in East Rochester, they were making pepperoni bread, and so I they, they showed me how to do it, but I was a young kid, probably, you know, still... 30 28 so we started making pepperoni and pepperoni and cheese bread and that that's something i think that we're really known for and i'm known for yeah well you know i I would come here and i would buy boxes of dozens and dozens of loaves of bread but speaking of loss leaders i ended up realizing that people were just eating lunch at my booth so i switched to little spoons right (laughs) but uh i used to always buy one of those pepperoni rolls and eat it on my way to the festival and that was a lot of times it was the only thing i'd eat till dinner time yeah i mean it's a meal (laughs) yeah sure it was a meal for sure it was yeah Yeah. when we were in east rochester we we would uh the students would come from across the street and we would warm them up and cut them in half and that would be their lunch Mm -hmm. and we'd sell a lot of them so you you spend a year just hustling right you're here seven days a week after that what, what what are the next couple of years like yeah, after that? Honestly, pretty similar. I did get a day off. Generally, six days a week is what I do. Um, but I did get a day off the, probably the next year. But I, it still was a, long, a lot of work, a lot of hard work for a long, a lot of years, Polly. It didn't, you know, now you see me and a lot of, a lot of my young employees 
see me sitting in my office and thinking or walking through the building thinking I don't know anything. But once in a while, just once in a while on a holiday, I'll go out and make some Easter bread or roll some dough with the ones that know. And the others look, oh, he knows how to do that. Oh, he knows how to do that. Uh-huh. I didn't think he would know how to do that. But I know all of it, uh-huh. which is good. I think that helps us to be successful. And, you know, some of the managers and stuff that know what I know, they like that part. What about where was the, tr- the the click, the real moment where you said, and I guess, I, I guess I'm repeating myself because I know you said you felt it was when you moved to East Rochester, but wh- where was the moment where you were able to say, I don't have to go in and bake all day anymore. Now I can just run my business. Uh, a great question too. So I think it's probably been, I'm not, I don't know an exact time, but if I had to say six, seven years ago when I didn't. That recent? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Not full-time baking, but all right, I'm done for the day, but there's still a lot of things that have to be done. I don't have to really do it, but Uh I have guilt to go home because, geez, I'm leaving them with all that work to do. So I would feel the guilt and say, well, I'll stay and help you finish. Oh my God, Pat, can you coach me for a second on something? What? I feel that all the time. Do you? Let's talk about right now. Okay. It's middle of the afternoon on a Wednesday, right? I went in this morning there before anybody else and I got the first couple kettles of sauce made you know so everyone comes into hot sauce ready to go I go I do I do the business part of the work I, I'm at my computer for a few hours and then I, I come out here for we had a meeting before this podcast about something mm-hmm. else right do you know I cannot leave for that meeting because I feel so guilty that I walk around and I'm the worst. I walk around and this is such an insecurity that I have, but I tell them all, I'm going, well, I'm going to a big meeting, you know. Uh-huh. Heading to a t- big I'm meeting. I'm gonna tell you what, Polly. <laughs> right there, what you just told me right now uh-huh. tells me you are gonna be very successful. Okay, well, good. I'm serious, because I'm I was like that for a long time and I think Yeah, you kinda have to be. If you if you're just gonna ignore the employees, don't worry about well, screw you, you know, it's your yeah. It's your job, so you have to do it. Yeah, no, I never was that way. No. And it, and it pays off. Yeah. After a while. I mean, it takes a while, but I mean, I didn't kill my, I'm not saying I killed myself. There was, I took my vacations and stuff, and yeah. you know, I have a, a home out in, in Florida, or whatever, that I can get away a few months in the winter and stuff like that. So I'm in a good spot right now. But, so, it, but you're having that attitude is the right attitude, in my opinion. You got to work hard. People don't get it. People don't really no no they don't get it you know they see, if you do something or you buy something nice they see the nice thing you bought right and they don't see the eleven o'clock at night when you had to go in and right. make the thing right. that nobody else could go make the alarm yeah. went off or what have <laughs> yeah. you and, <laughs> yeah. yeah um I so I probably it, similar to you I kind of had probably about the first year of the manufacturing business where I was running myself a bit ragged I'm way better now it's only been a couple of years not not decades or anything like that right but I'm way better now. Um, I almost have created a compromise with some of my top people where it's like, I will get in before anyone else. I'll be in before the sun rises and I will make sure. But at the end of the day, I'm generally not the last one out. Whereas at, for, at the beginning, I was yeah. first in, first out. Yeah, good for you. But it, but it's tough to leave when there's work left to be done. I mean, those poor kids are in that production room killing themselves to clean that production room. Yeah. And I'm like, see ya. And that... God, every it kills me a little every day. Good. Okay, good. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. But honestly, staying and doing it with them, it's not sustainable. Once in a while, of course. Yeah. It's not sustainable no, long you term. you can't do it all the time. I mean, they, no. Yeah, yeah, they'll get it. The good ones will get it. Yeah. You know? I think so, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, um, as you've been in this building and as you've built things, you've expanded this building a bunch of times as well. 
We have. We put on an addition of, I think, 7,000 square feet in 2007, and that was the watermark wing that we call it. It's basically where we do our food distribution from. Uh, then what did we do? Oh, we added the cafe in 2014, so there's 80 seats out here now before we didn't have any. Um, well, let's talk about those steps a little bit. Watermark Specialty Foods, that was a big step because that now you, for anyone who doesn't know, you are a distributor. So I need whatever I need to make my sauce. I need onions. I need tomatoes. I can call you and you will bring me bulk onions and tomatoes. We will. Yeah. We'll, yes. Yeah. If you want to, we're talking. <laughs> but but uh, but so what made you decide, hey, let's take that step. Let's do that. Okay. So that's a little bit of a story if we have time. Okay, I got time. All right. So I we, got, what time are you going to be done? I don't know. I, I got 45 minutes. Okay. <laughs> All right. We're good. Um, we're good. So once I, I guess you were kind of referring to this, but once I got Leo's all settled back then when I first bought it in 2002 or whatever it was, um, and I worked that year straight getting everything in order and getting it the way it needed to be. Uh, Leo's, the building that I was in, had half of it was the bakery and the other half was just kind of junk. Like uh, tires from the truck might have been stored back there, an old showcase, an old piece of equipment, and it was just a big pile of junk on the one side. And I said, you know, I got everything in order over here. I'm going to spend some of my part-time here cleaning the place up. So little by little after I got my work done, I would go over there and clean it up and clean it up and clean it up. And then one day I was done and I looked in there and I go, wow, I got this big empty space. Hmm. What could I put in here? And I went to the business broker and said, like, what's for sale? And there was Watermark Foods. There was a few, but Watermark was the one I ended up buying. And I brought it and moved it into there. It was in Egypt, New York, over by Lollipop Farm. You know, just kind of an old warehouse. And I said, yeah, I could buy this. There's really not much to move, just some racking and a, a freezer and a cooler. And so we brought it all over to that empty space. And that's how I kind of started Watermark. It was much, much smaller than it is today, but it, it got us going. It, it's interesting. Did it come with people? Like, did it come with it a... It did. It came with two okay. drivers uh, and a picker basically yeah. and then the two owners they didn't come with me of course so yeah that meant that was the first time ever because he was training me on how to do the work and how to take over the company stayed for two weeks and we had to sit at a computer and i'm like what are we doing on the computer i never sat at a desk and had a computer before yeah we, we got to enter this in and enter that in and the sales and the checks and i'm like Wow. I called my wife. I said, can you help me? Because I don't sit at a computer. I got to go to work. You know, I don't sit here and do nothing. Yeah. So anyway, that that's how that all ended up. And what about the cafe? Because that's a big step. Because now we're talking prepared foods. It's essentially a restaurant, right? So, I mean, that's a that's a big step, too. That was a big step. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it's worked out great. Um, you know, lunchtime for sure. We pack it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a cool it's a cool facility out there. If if anybody is listening hasn't been there, come check it out because it's neat. There's lots of windows and lots of nice seating and mm -hmm. great staff and stuff like that. So um, great menu too. Um, yeah, hot subs, cold subs, um, lots yeah. of different dishes. And I always forget. There's always uh, every time I order at the very end, and I swear I always forget the shows. What would you like for your free cookie? Yeah, <laughs> I always you call might forget, but they won't. I know you get a free jumbo cookie with every sub. Yeah. It's good. Sometimes we think, should we be doing that? Because 
kind of expensive, but you know, we make them ourselves. And is it something you take away along with the $1 bread? No, you got to keep doing it. But to go back to speak about margins again, though, my understanding of prepared foods is that that's, that's probably pretty nice margins over there, right? It's Mm -hmm. better than than the other side. Yeah. 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 Um, So that's a big deal, but you don't seem like a guy who's ever going to be done. Are you done or are there more ideas in the head right now? Well, I don't know. Okay. I'm going to say Nothing. I probably need to be done. Ask my wife. She'll say you need to be done. You're not going to be done, are you? I don't know. I don't think you got it in you to be know. done. It's a hard decision, really. You know, I'm 71 years old, and I think about it quite a bit. Like, yeah, I thought I would retire when I was 65. I'm still going at it. Um, I still like it. I like coming to work. So I don't know. I just don't know. I, I feel like someday I'll just know it's time. But so far, it's not time. How have you, can we talk about recipes again for a second? How have you managed to maintain the recipes as you've invested in more and more equipment? Um, you were showing me something the other day where, uh, uh, you know, there's a ton of dough that gets made, goes in this machine, it spits out little dough balls, basically. Mm-hmm. And you said it wasn't that long ago, a handful of years ago, that yeah. that was all done by hand. Yep. Uh, how as you scale up and the batches are bigger and and you introduce automation and a human isn't touching it the whole time, how do you maintain the romance from back when it was you tossing that bread or kneading that bread or whatever you call it? It it really doesn't change all that much. A few things you have to do like technically, like uh, when you're using a machine, instead of making it by hand, you have to make the dough a little colder because otherwise it will get out of hand. It would proof too quickly. So you, there's a few little things that you can do to make sure that you still get the same result. So not a lot of changes. You know, we have some great talent there. Gene, our bakery manager, is, you know, he's got a degree in baking and stuff. So we have some really talented people that work here that, you know, I learned from Street Smart. So I'm, mm-hmm. I learned it just because I learned it because my grandpa I mean, my dad did it. But we got a guy that's got a technical background. He knows how to figure things out. So we, we're we pretty good at all mm-hmm. that stuff, yeah. So you basically, you have the, you can say, hey, this is what it's supposed to turn out like. Right. Can you, and then you go to your people and you say, can, can we make sure it turns out like this? And if you got to tweak something about the process, that's fine, but it needs to still turn out like this. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you can put ice in the dough, especially in the summer when it's getting hot out mm-hmm. and, it, and it keeps it cool enough to make sure that the, it doesn't overproof and stuff like that. So, yeah. Do you ever think about what your grandpa would think if he walked through here? Wow. I don't know. I, sometimes I more quite honestly think about what would my father think quite honestly, because my grandpa, I was 11. What would he, he, Pat who? He had a lot of grandkids. We had two named Pat. So he's like, which Pat? <laughs> which so anyway, I think I would love my dad to walk through here and see uh-huh. for sure. What did your dad do? He was baker. Oh, yeah. he was, well. Yeah. He was the one, yeah. So it was my mom, even though it was my mom's uh, father that started it, then they, you know, I guess they didn't say that, but um, he, I think he was 27 years old and he was a, a lather, you know, like a carpenter. Uh-huh. And they said, why don't you come work at the bakery? And he said, well, I have my own business. I got seven guys and I don't really want to. And they just kept pushing him come on we could use some help so then he went in and worked there so yes i worked for my father that's where i learned tons of stuff from Mm -hmm. him he was he was great yeah what was the 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 do you would you say you learned everything you know from him or 
or have you learned on the job or, or were you classically trained or go to training at any time or like no never had any training other than on the job I, I'd say my, I learned a lot from my father about business and things like that. I mean, like they had the, the Rancora Bakery and they decided, hey, there's a Jewish bakery for sale down the street. It's Godfrey's Bakery. Why don't we buy that bakery and bring it into ours? And yes, he was very smart about doing that. But then I questioned the fact that he changed the name of Godfrey Bread to Rancora Rye Bread. I'm like, but this is an Italian bakery. We have a Jewish bread and we're changing the name. I didn't get that. So I, not that I agreed with everything he did, but he was always like, let's do this and let's do more and make it bigger and put an addition. And then he, they were on Central Park and they um, built a brand new building in Webster. Gorgeous. And, you know, so I learned a lot about how to grow a business from him. So, you know, I, I made mistakes too. I'm not saying anything, but sometimes he, I, well, didn't, I didn't agree with everything. Well, thought. speaking of, of naming things, I mean, was there ever an instant, even just for a moment, at the very beginning where you thought about changing the name from Leo's Bakery to Bernanzio's? Yeah, or? you know, I had people tell me that I should. Um, and I might have thought about it very briefly, but no. no. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it is. That's what it is today, as everyone knows it. Pretty much, I'm not going to change now. You, I, I admire you so much. I, I hope you know that. I, I freaking love being around you. I think you're the coolest. Thank you. I think I it's crazy that. that I can call you a friend. Like it's just, it's crazy. Cool. But like, so can I just ask you advice? I mean, can I just, can we just talk about? I think that, honestly, that's what I've been doing now for an hour. But um, can we talk about? You said you've made mistakes as a business owner. I make mistakes every day. Yeah. How do I stop? (laughs) (laughs) You you stop when you don't own it anymore. Okay. All right. You're going to make mistakes for sure. I mean, what would you, what advice would you give yourself? uh, You go back in time to, uh, let's say, three years into Leo's. What do you think this Pat would say to that Pat? Oh, wow. I don't know. Uh, Be patient. You know, it's going to take time. You know, it's hard work, but someday we'll get there. Yeah. If, I mean, for you yeah. to tell yourself some, some you're going to get there. I can tell. I really can. Well, sitting 10 years from now, be easy to tell myself, be patient back then. But right now, I don't want to be patient. No, no, I know. But you said, what would this Pat say to that? Pat? <laughs> That's this, right. This is the old Pat saying <laughs> to the young Pat, be patient. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. What about that first year that you went to? I, you, know, you used to be an Arizona guy, but what about the first year that you went away for a few months? Was that tough? No. Okay. Surprisingly, it was not. You were ready. I, I was, I, number one, I was ready. Number two, I know what I have here. I know who I have working here. I know the devotion that we get from Sam and Gene and the, the whole gang. I mean, so, the yeah, I, I really didn't. I mean, they call me for things, but I knew they know how to do everything, so mm-hmm. was, nothing was going to go bad, and, and it really didn't. So it's been six years, seven years that we've kind of got away for the winter which is to me it's great otherwise i probably would not be still doing it what's the key to finding the right people yeah wow uh more than pay i mean pay helps you know so you, you we, we pay them pretty good but they it didn't really start that way you know i would say the key is knowing knowing them and letting them know you for who you are being really honest with them about you and hoping they'll be honest back to you um and you know we do we do profit sharing here but i don't know if that's what keeps them i think i think we have a good relationship so me and sam me and gene and and the rest of them especially my key people though it's like they want to work for me because they know that i know how hard their jobs can be at times and they know i'm older now and they're still younger a little bit sam's a little Mm -hmm. younger but anyway yeah I, i just think you gotta you just gotta treat them right and 
be honest with them about what your plans are and you know hopefully they do you have any key people yet oh yeah yeah okay. yeah, yeah for yeah, sure yeah. Okay. I, I have and a those couple are the ones you want to you know keep you know you got to treat them right with everything pay and you know yeah i think you know you know it and and uh be careful what i say but i mean i definitely have some key people i i remember i have one particular young guy who called uh, texted me one time three four months ago and he said we need to talk and it was at like 6 p.m on a thursday and I was just going to my class at New York Kitchen. It was like 6.03. Class had just started. And I couldn't like leave the room to call it. Yeah. And I spent those two hours more nervous and scared than I've wow. been in a long time because I thought he was quitting. I uh-huh. thought he was telling me he's moving on. And thank God all he was doing was saying, this is how good of a kid he was. All he was doing was saying, uh, my best friend's been in a terrible accident. I need to drive to Pennsylvania to pick him up. Um, oh. I, I'm going to do this like overnight, you know, and I will be at work tomorrow. Wow. But, uh, I just wanted you to know in case I'm a little late that I have to drive, you know. That's a key, that's a key employee. That's right a there. key guy. Guy, yeah. But man, I mean, for those two hours, like I was just rehearsing, like, I'll yeah. give you anything. Yeah. Take anything. <laughs> Please don't leave me. <laughs> no, I hear you, Polly. Yeah, it gets like that at times. But yeah. the fact that you know how to do everything is really good. I'm sure you do. Most and I, things. And I do here yeah. too, even though now it's gotten to the point where there's just so much. You, can, you can't do it all yourself. The, you know what was, do you remember what I asked you the one time I was here very recently? The one thing that makes me uh, self-conscious about my business, I know how to do everything. Whether or not I'm good at it is debate. But can I do it is is the question. There's mm-hmm. things I'm good at. There's things I know how to do, but I'm probably not good at. Like, for example, my own books, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we hired a bookkeeper. Can I keep my own books? Yeah. Are they the best books you've ever seen? No. No, no right. they're not. Right. But I could if I really had to, right? Mm-hmm. But there's one thing that makes me nervous, and it's machinery. Now that we have more and more machinery, I'm not fix-it man. Uh-huh. And so what makes me nervous is I always knew that I could do everything in my plant, but one thing I can't do is fix a machine when it's broken and you know who's right there with you me you too no i can't yeah. yeah my dad was really good at it but thank god gene is he's like as good as anybody yeah. would ever be yeah it's incredible at fixing and maintaining and you know planning ahead like oh you know let's make sure we do this because of that and he's been here long enough to know anything that can happen so yeah i mean i could feel for you there i mean you do know you can call for service of course but yeah you, you might have to be at their mercy when are they going to get here what's it going to cost because right it's definitely not cheap especially if you're having machines that need fixing and it's time. the emergency call too yeah. so it's yeah. all extra all so, i mean i think though if, you know just maybe for peace of mind just have like a service company just go over things you know every six months or every year just to be sure yeah, know, yeah. You don't have any last minute yeah. issues. Yeah. What and else? Back up having a second piece of equipment that does the same thing, and we do have stuff like that. That is nice that to say. That isn't working, but I could use the other machine. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. It's not it's cheap, not, but it's I know, nice. I know. Or maybe, you know, <laughs> buy two a of used them. one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for doing this, man. I really oh, appreciate you're welcome, it. welcome, Polly. Thank you. Know, did we miss great. anything? What did we miss? I don't think we did. No? You hit on pretty okay. much everything. All right. Good yeah. deal. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for doing this, and uh, I appreciate it. And um, listen, Leo's Bakery in East Rochester, this is the joint. This is the joint. Everything. Everything, right. Right. Right, right. So I sweet, so was, sweet. Was, if we're not done, either way. We're not done. I just had, a, I was at um, Camp Good Days. We had a golf tournament, and this guy came up to me, and he said, you, I want to tell you how much I love you, your bakery and stuff. And, and uh, he said, I was in the store, and I was looking for something, and you went in the back and found it for me. And I'm like, well, why wouldn't I? He goes, well, because you're the owner. I said, so what? 
goes, well, I couldn't believe you would actually do that. And I said, sir, I would be glad. To. So anyway, the guy we were with said, hey, do you want to be on the commercial? And, and, and uh, my friend said, do you know how to say everything? And he goes, I don't know how to say everything like this guy. Everything. So you could leave with that. I remember, hold on, it's what you said about thing. going to the back to get something. You actually, you said one of the funniest things I ever heard was this one time I was here and you were with your friend Michael, right? right. Popcorn Charlie. Yep. And uh, I think I said something to you like, I want you to try this, whatever I got. And, and I was like, I know you're busy. And you look at me and you go, I'm not that busy. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no, no, I know. That's very funny. But no, you're busy. You got a million things going on. You're in, And you go, no, really, I'm not that busy. <laughs> I just thought that was so funny. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's I love this for me. Now. Yeah, but I love that you go out and stand in the floor and you do. You talk to customers, you help customers. Like I love that you do that. Yeah, it's no, awesome. I love doing it. Yeah, yeah. customers yeah. are great. All right. Well, thanks for doing You're this. Welcome.